previously on No Man's Land. We can't tell if it means anything or not, but it, it's just the same. Don't say it. Don't even try and pronounce that, man. And he said this thing, I don't know what it was, like he was freaking out about it afterwards. And we had to take him to the psych ER, and he's there now for observation. I don't know what you guys are working on. I don't know what you're doing, but, like, this is not okay. Was there any part of you that felt a presence that was not there before coming into you? Or was it the fear of the presence allowed for the feeling that there was a presence. So I think initially it was the, that fear, but then slowly like it, it kind of lingered and started becoming a little more like prevalent over time. And there was just like, I kept wanting to say the name again, you know? It wasn't like, like I had to say it, but like it was like urging me to say it. To what degree do you think your sort of mounting anxiety was impacted by the mythology of No Man's Land, of the storyline that we keep getting again and again and again, the manifestations of people who are being possessed, they begin to hurt themselves and specifically start to like damage their own fingers or their hands. Was there any element of you that started to feel like worried you were going to do that to yourself? So that's the thing about it is like that, that did happen. Live from Highland Park, New Jersey, this is No Man's Land, an original podcast from WVHP Media. Episode 6, The Name That Should Not Be Named. Hey everybody, this is John Hume and you're listening to No Man's Land, an in-depth investigation into a mysterious section of woods in central New Jersey of the same name. So as you can probably tell, this is not how we usually start an episode. Usually Mark Romreka and Will Schwartz are the hosts of No Man's Land. Part of that is due to COVID and the fact that we can't get into our recording studio or into Will's basement where he has a pretty nice uh, setup to record. Right now I'm sitting in my kitchen holding a microphone jacked into my laptop and um, it's obviously not ideal but neither is the situation that we find ourselves in, which is, if you recall from the end of last episode, I received a phone call from Will's mother, Allie, explaining that Will, due to unforeseen circumstances, had been hospitalized and sent to the psychiatric emergency room of Robert Wood Johnson Hospital. Obviously, I was deeply concerned about that, especially because of the fact that, according to Will's mom, the reason he was sent to the hospital had something to do with his own fear that he had spoken the name of the evil spirit that we've been investigating uh, as part of this project. That obviously is something that's concerned me ever since we learned about this whole concept of an evil spirit that possesses people um, as soon as they speak its name aloud. So what we're going to do on this episode is really focus on what happened to Will and how's he doing now and uh, what to do about it going forward. We're going to start by bringing in Mark Romreka via Zoom just to talk about what he knew and what happened and kind of set up uh, the conversation that I have with Ali and with Will. When did you become aware that Will was having some kind of issue or meltdown around no man's land and, and accidentally, you know, speaking the evil spirit's name as we were warned not to do? He called me and told me he was having a hard time. He, he sounded like he hadn't slept very well. 
he sounded a little on edge and it, it was honestly a little concerning. He just didn't sound well. And he said that he was freaking out. He said the name and uh, he felt like something bad was going to happen to him. And uh, I just tried to reassure him that everything was going to be fine and that um, nothing could be happening. Was there any point of you thinking like, oh shit, maybe he did say the name and, and maybe he's in trouble? Yeah, a little bit actually. Um, he was freaking out, so I couldn't freak out also. I sort of had to calm him down a little bit, but it is present in the back of my mind. What if he did pronounce the name correctly, then he might actually be in some trouble, but I, I didn't let him know that that's how I felt. What was your advice to him? My advice was to just take it easy, try to get some rest, and um, just wait it out. All he could do is, well, there was nothing he could do, so all he could do is really relax and see how things play out. And then how did you find out that he had been hospitalized? Somebody Probably sister, okay. Ava. I actually saw her around. I was at the grocery, I think. And um, I asked her how Will was doing. And she was surprised that I hadn't heard and that he hadn't told me. But she said that he was in the hospital. He had a little a little meltdown over some stuff with No Man's Land. And, and in that moment, are you like, are you like freaking out yourself? Or are you like, like what goes through your head when suddenly... <sighs> this thing that's been really mostly just fun for us gets a little real. My my heart dropped, that's for sure. Because like I said, I was a little bit suspicious over the circumstances. Uh, I really hoped everything would be fine with him, but clearly it wasn't. So what I'm really hoping is that it's all just in his head and that, you know, we didn't actually poke around a little too far and that we're not next on any um, demons list. <laughs> Uh, on the list. I'm really hoping that he's okay and we're going to be okay. How are you doing? Is this going to get recorded? Yes. Okay. From my point of view, being that I've known Will a long time and he's been great to work with, the idea that he would have any suffering around this project is worst case scenario for me. This is really something we're doing because it's fun and interesting right. and exciting. Obviously, we're playing around in kind of scary stories and scary things. And we have been warned by people involved, you know, not to do this. And we've tried to check ourselves, in particular, Will, Mark, and I, about, like, are we being the idiot characters from horror movies that are doing something they shouldn't? And we've, right. we've been pretty aware about this. But, you know, Will gave me no indication that this was happening, you know, like he really took point on episode five when, when COVID made it clear we couldn't get together to do a recording. He did all the narrations. He edited that story and did a fantastic job. So I had no indication or worry that he was going through a hard time. I don't think that he knew he was. You guys have been at this for a long time already. And he was just going about his business, like so psyched that you guys were moving ahead and like getting on to the next episode. And, and, you know, I think there'd been, my impression was like a little bit of a lull. Yeah, there was a, there was a lull because, right. Because they graduated from high school and because frankly, you know, there were a couple of incidents previous to this in, in the time between episodes, really between episodes three and four, a mm -hmm. bunch of kids from Highland Park high school started to go out into no man's land and, have some fun out there in way because they listened to the previous podcast. I had one group take a Ouija board to the castle with the permission of the Kaplan family, went down into the basement, and apparently 
filmed and had a really scary experience down there. They have not shared that tape with me. He never shared that with me. I, you know, this was always a passion of his. And I think that he was so psyched that you guys were getting back to it. So there was never a real indication. And the way I saw the days leading up to it was that he was just saying he was not sleeping well. Like he was out of sorts. You know, Will's moody kid anyway. And so he- I'm sure COVID was, didn't help. No, and he was living back at home, right? He had left his house in New Brunswick. He was back at home. And so he had been saying that he was tired. Whatever. I just didn't think anything of it. And then he had this, like, seemingly to me out of nowhere, this crazy episode. I've like literally never seen him like that. What did that look like? It didn't look scary to me. Like he wasn't like flipping out, screaming his head off, rocking or anything, you know, but he was just agitated is the best word that I And then, And then how did he end up sharing with you the story of what made him kind of put him in that state? Like, I don't even remember. And it wasn't like I was so scared, but I was like something 100% is not right. And quite honestly, maybe even in the first, my first thought is that he's got his hands on some bad pot. Like, do you know what I'm saying? And- um, We've all been there. <laughs> right? And uh, I think that that's when he was just like in this mode and he starts doing this weird thing with his hand. Oh, that was the other thing that was happening while he was pacing is he's doing this like whole weird thing with his hands and his fingers, like this and like this. I don't even remember what it was. And at that point, had you listened to any of the podcasts that introduced the significance of weird or violent behavior towards... Yeah, I had, but that? remember, I hadn't... I The last podcast I heard was probably maybe last fall. Right. So I just was not, like, putting the pieces together. But then when he's... With the hands thing, then I was like, oh, shit. And I was not so excited to have to take him to the emergency room because of COVID, but I just felt like, you know, as a shrink, just like watching, it was too many hours. It was just, he just could not right. get himself calm. He went for a walk, he took a shower, he was listening to his music. He was just not, and not okay. And did you, did, did he confide in you the source of his concerns or did that come after he went to ER? Well, at a certain point, I think he kind of realized, like he was like, I, I think that this might be what's happening. What I didn't want to happen was for him to get to the hospital, to the emergency room, and for him to sound psychotic. Because <laughs> right. then, right, right. then I knew we were going in for a long haul, and they didn't have context. I, what I was, what my intention was when I took him there was probably to get like anti-anxiety medication for him, something to j just figure out how to break this. What to me looked like was like a massive panic attack. You know, at the hospital, I guess out of precaution, they felt like they wanted to just keep him for a day or two for observation and to make sure that he was stable. I think what they don't want right in COVID is people going in and out and in and out of the hospitals. Right. So I think that they felt like it was best to just keep him there. I was a little surprised, um, but I guess everyone was is just right now being super cautious. Let me step back for one second. When, when he then confided to you that he was concerned about something he said while editing episode five. What was your response to that? I was pissed at him. Will, you have been doing this for so long. You know the sort of jam that people are getting into around this. You know about certain words and the notebook and what, like, are, 
Right, Even right. if you don't believe in this stuff, by the way, like you don't want to fuck with it. Like just, just don't. I feel like he'd been through too much in the podcast to know better than to like be uncareful. And he's just not a careful person. I, I get that. I, as a parent, I get that absolutely. And as his originally teacher and now kind of like colleague, that was part of my reaction as well because we we were part of the Dave Rock conversation in which Dave Rock literally told us to burn the book so right. that we wouldn't make this mistake. I got to tell you that this is one area where you should just, you just, why don't you just burn that no. shit? But we're definitely giving, given the, the book is back with Pete. We're not gonna, nobody's gonna be, you know, out here attempting to try. I just don't want the outcome of all this to somehow renew some, you know, interest in this that, that, you know, where anybody else gets hurt. That's all. So it's your, it's your responsibility now. Without, without betraying any confidences, like how did, his experience in the ER go for him? I think it was fine. And you want to explain a little bit, but not again, like like crazy, occult, anything is not the direction that I wanted to go in. It's where we are though. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, correct. It was like a day and a half, I guess, that he was in there. And then I know when I called you and I apologized, I was really pissed. No, I get that. Believe me, I, I, I felt I felt horrible and totally understanding. It was my initial reaction because I'm like, he's. Hi, Will. I'm talking to John. I don't know if he wants you in here. You, I'll call you. I'll call you after we're done. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm going to Duncan. He's just going to Duncan. Going forward, I just want you to know, like, you know, you're the captain of this ship. Just keep me in a loop. If you want to pull the plug on him at any time, even though he's, you know. He'll, he'll, he'll never talk to me again. He'll kill me. I'm not going to. Uh, and I'll keep you informed, not in any way that betrays his confidence, just to let you know how things are going overall so that um, you don't get caught. Okay. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your being so, like, uh, understanding about this. Okay, awesome. Thank and I'm sorry that. if I was a bitch. <laughs> oh, no, not, not at all. Not at all. Hello. Hey. Hi. How you doing? Not bad. How are you? You know, I spoke with your mom at length mm -hmm. about the situation, and she was she was super helpful and caught me up everything. I love talking to your mom. So, can you just kind of flash me back to the beginning and how things sort of started to skeeter out of control or get weird for you? With the previous episodes, it was it was more a collaborative effort, but this this time it was kind of me manning the helm or at least doing most of the, the narrations and some of the editing and stuff. So uh, I came across the interview with Pete Horvath that we did. And we took a video of his notebook, yes. which had the name that should not be named, name. Is that the book that you had out in No Man's Land? Yeah. Can we take a look at it? You can you show us the pages? Do you still have the pages that were... You were on Yeah. Talking to Dave Rock and who said that we should never repeat that name under any circumstances whatsoever. 
Right. Don't say it. Don't even try and pronounce that, man. No, I didn't. No, I've made, I've made, I, I've told all <laughs> Look, the Look, you guys, you know what? I wonder if you guys really even know what you're doing. And listen, there's not a single person who hasn't looked at that footage who didn't feel some kind of compulsion. Just the, the unknown of it is enticing. So while I was editing that segment and that clip, I whispered the, the name that was in the book. Was that like a conscious decision? Like I can't really explain it, but it was just something made me not even like want to say it, but just like it just came out. I can't fully put my finger so, on so, it. So so let's let's backtrack for one second because like I said, you're not the only one who's felt that mm-hmm. compulsion, right? I, I don't think I ever told you this, but the uh, after you were done at, at the high school I was like recruiting, you know, new students and I showed footage that we shot that included the footage of your interview with Pete Horvath that showed the name in in Pete Horvath's book, the very name that came up on the Ouija board when the flop heads were out messing around out there. And this one young girl who must have been 14 or 15, very Catholic, had transferred in from a Catholic school. She saw it and had the same kind of experience, didn't say it out loud, but like really was freaked out and was afraid she was going to say it. And so this is not something we've addressed anywhere in the podcast, but why there's such a long period of time between episodes three and episodes four and five coming out, because I was really concerned about how it was beginning to impact the high school age kids. So what was your experience? Was it like, oh shit, I just screwed up? Was it, oh no, I feel something's happening to me or what? I'm like semi like skeptical with these things. So I did it, I said it, part of me was like, whatever. But then another part of me was like, oh shit, I just said that. And then not immediately, but like not long after that, like I just started, like I said, feeling like a little weird, a little cold, nothing like crazy, but just like, Something was off, and I could definitely tell. I kept wanting to say the name again, you know? It wasn't like like I had to say it, but like it was like urging me to say it. Yeah, but you didn't say it again? No, I, never, I did not say it again. That's the thing about it. It's like the same thing that was urging me to say the name felt similar to the same thing that was messing with my fingers like even now like I like still play with them more than I ever did again I didn't know if it was me or if it was something else but it just kept on getting worse and worse as time went on and the the idea of it like I, I thought I might do it and like I thought I would start actually breaking my fingers And at what point do you go to your mother and say, mom, something's up with me? Or how long were you wrestling with these scary thoughts before you're like, I need, I need help? Maybe around like a week and it just progressively was getting worse. I wasn't sleeping and like the compulsion to actually say the name or do something to my figures was getting stronger and stronger. And I was like, this can't be just my fear. Like this, this is something. And so I told my mom. And what did she say? Well, she's a psychologist and I, she trusts me. Um, we have a, a very strong relationship and she could see that like something clearly was wrong with me. So 
we went to Robert Wood Johnson Psychiatric and um, they put me on some medications and talked and we did some things with them and that started to help. And without betraying things you don't want to talk about with me or, or the audience of this podcast, did you come clean about like what was going on with you to them? And if so, what did they say? I don't remember exactly, but I think in their eyes, maybe even mine, I, looking retrospectively, it could have been a panic attack type thing. Talking through with them made it seem like the things I was experiencing could be more rational than I maybe thought it was. Mine is a terrible thing, especially when it's like left on its own reconnaissance, right? And this is why I'm going to say why I think that the conclusion that you've arrived at, or it seems that you've arrived at having talked to your mom, having you having talked to the folks at Robert Wood, is that if you listen to the story of Caleb Carter, and if you listen to the story about what happened to Leo and Dawn and Nancy, they weren't asking themselves, is something wrong with me? Like Caleb Carter, the story is, he, he said the name and it was in him and he was no longer in control of himself immediately. Yeah. Right. When they talk about Leo and when they talk about, uh, and when Dave Rock told us the story about Nancy, it was like they were with different people talking to you. Now I do not feel like I'm with a different person. Yeah. Listen, talking to Dave Rock was like practically a traumatic experience for all of us. Yeah. Right. I'll put that up there with any one of the most intense, conversations I've had in life or as a documentarian and especially when you know we started to have like weird experiences with the, the audio right was that everyone else having strange too or was it just her what is that you there yeah. yeah what the hell was that man uh, I have no idea. there's a traumatic after effect of that kind of conversation all of us who have been in this project have experienced the odd compulsion to say this name. If you remember in episode four, Jamira, when she found that symbol underneath the bridge, she was like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say it. We're not going to say it. I don't want to think about it. I'm not saying it. You can okay, say I'm it. I'm not saying anything. Me neither. Don't say it. Thinking about it. All right, don't even think about it, okay? Put it out of your head. It gets in your head, and it's like an insidious worm digging in there. And the fact that for whatever reason, it slipped out of your mouth, your reaction to that is totally, in my opinion, 100% normal, mm -hmm. right? To not, to be afraid, being in a basement during a pandemic, yeah. while editing it, like, and when, you know, anybody who's ever edited anything like this is you got to immerse yourself in some pretty scary stuff to, to tell this story right. So Something just have been a tipping point combining with all these other yeah, yeah. And so, like I said, I, I get no sense, nor has your mother, nor has your siblings, as far as I know, get any sense that they're with a different person. Mm -hmm. I don't think you feel like a different person. No, not, not now, at least. And panic attacks and anxiety attacks and fear leaves like a residue. You know, it's not like when they go, it happens and they're going fine again now. It's like you never quite feel totally recovered from it, you know? I think the number one thing, just as you're like, listen, we're no longer really in a teacher student place anymore. You're not in my class. We're colleagues on this now. Yeah. Right? So all I request or require from you is just you being straight with me 
if something's starting to bother you, don't don't hesitate. You can always yeah. tell me. Not gonna not gonna happen again like that. Have you spoken with Mark about all this? I I haven't really gotten a chance to debrief this with him. I guess I've spoke to him briefly, but not like telling him the whole the whole thing. But all right, well I'll leave that to you two. Okay. Yeah. You no, know, like in terms of we don't need to do that on on air. You know, just give me one more one more confirmation. You're a hundred percent. Listen, if you have to walk away at any time, feel free. I, I obviously love, want, want, want to continue working with you, but only if you want to keep working on it. I think continuing is the best thing. I think that's going to keep my mind going, I guess. Okay, good. Um, so just take good care of yourself, all right? The solace I take in that I'm not worried about him for real is that he didn't express that he was like something took over me right he didn't shatter his fingers and then go strangle his two right two little twin brother and sister you know what i mean so i think we're okay there but i understand why he felt the way he did you know it was scary is there any part of you as his friend that's like anxious to like that say like maybe will you should step away will will's a big boy he he knows usually what's best for him and what isn't. He's always had a pretty good idea of what he can handle and what he can't handle. I think because he went to the mental hospital, like he knows the severity of the situation in his mind. And knowing that he wouldn't try to rush back into it if he really felt like he was in some kind of danger. If he really felt like he was in danger, he would stop. Unless of course it's the demon doing the talking. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a really good point, dude. I didn't think of that one. Like the demon, the evil spirit is selling us a really good story on that Will just had a panic attack. Let's hope not. You know what? You're the first person to bring that possibility up. Oh boy. That changes everything. Um, yeah, let's hope not. on the next episode of No Man's Land. Well, the reality is, is that everybody that we've heard about that was potentially possessed is dead. So imagine if we could find somebody who was still alive like that. Yeah, that you're right. Fucking crazy. That would be the, one of the holy grails of this project. That's yeah, you're right. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? It's That's insane. Crazy. You guys are blowing my friggin' mind. No Man's Land is produced by Will Schwartz, Mark Rimreka, and John Hume. Sound design and mix by Carmen Borgia. Original score by Kevin Wiggins. Our theme song is Inventions by Maserati. Special thanks to Ali Mandel and Robert Wood Johnson Psychiatric. Our featured song is Canyon by Magic Magic Roses. Summer song, summer's begun. Summer song, summer moves on. Summer song, summer is long. Summer song, summer song, summer song, summer's begun. Summer song, summer moves on. Summer song, summer is long. Summer song.
Summer song, summer moves on. Summer song, summer.